Our scripture reading this morning comes from the 41st chapter of Genesis, starting with verse 56. We're going to go through um, chapter 42, verse 8, and then skip to chapter 45, verses 1 through 14. Now, we've been working together through um, a series on the life of Joseph. And each week we've been looking at a different color that symbolizes something that Joseph goes through um, in his journey towards grace. And this week we're looking at the color yellow. Yellow for friendship and yellow for grain. Because we are going to see Joseph reunited with his brothers. Hear now the word of our Lord. When the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe throughout Egypt. And all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph, because the famine was severe everywhere. When Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, Why do you just keep looking at each other? He continued, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us, so that we may live and not die. Then ten of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt. But Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brother, with the others, because he was afraid that harm might come to him. So Israel's sons were among those who went to buy grain, for there was famine in the land of Canaan also. Now Joseph was the governor of the land, the person who sold grain to all its people. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. As soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. Where do you come from? he asked. From the land of Canaan, they replied, to buy food. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourself for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there has been famine in the land, and for the next five years there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of this entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me. You, your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds and all you have, I will provide for you there. Because five years of famine are still to come. 
Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. You can see for yourselves, and so can my brother Benjamin, that it is really I who am speaking to you. Tell my father about all the honor accorded me in Egypt and about everything you have seen, and bring my father down here quickly. Then he threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and wept, and Benjamin embraced him, weeping. And he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. Afterward, his brothers talked with him. This is the word of God. May it find its way into our hearts and lives this morning by the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen. Once upon a time, you were born. You first opened your eyes in a world that was at once incomprehensible, terrifying, and wonderful. Before you could distinguish between shapes or colors, before you had any words with which to label your experiences, you knew a love greater than yourself. You knew that you could, you could call out to this love and hunger and it would be there to feed you. You could call out to this love and, and pain and it would be there to soothe you. You could call out to this love and, and fear of abandonment. You could feel its arms around you. Once upon a time, you knew perfect trust. And then... Well, it's a long story. It's a story that's different for each of us. But, but somewhere between that day and this morning, a lot happened, digging it. Now we're much more guarded. We're older. We're wiser. We've been hurt. Uh, people that, that, that we gave our trust to, that we gave our hearts to, betrayed us. People that were supposed to have our best interest at heart hurt us, wounded us, abandoned us. And now we're cut off from that perfect trust now we're filled with, with anger. We're jaded. We're cynical. We find ourselves unable to forgive. Once upon a time, you were born. And now, it's a long story. Speaking of long stories, our story this morning, the story of Joseph, um, 
uh, reads like a novella. Uh, it's meant to be read in one um, one sitting, and uh, and and you're supposed to um, uh, delight in all the ups and downs and all of the characters. And here, um, six sermons in, I don't think we've scratched the surface, but I guess it's going to be time to move on pretty soon. But uh, here this morning, we find Joseph, he's in Egypt, and a lot has happened. It's a long story, isn't it? From those days when he was 17, and he was the apple of his father's eye, and, and, and he had these, these dreams of grandeur. And then along came his brothers who abused him and mistreated him, left him in a hole, who sold him into slavery. Then came Potiphar's house, where he was accused of a crime he didn't commit and thrown in the dungeon. Then came the cupbearer who, 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 who trusted to, to remember him and to intercede on his behalf. who forgot him when the time came. A lot has happened in Joseph's life. It's a long story that brought him from where he was to where he is now. He was once bright-eyed and trusting. Now he's guarded and jaded. See, we read, we read our story this morning, and, and, and we skipped like three chapters, right? We, we, we started with the reunion uh, between Joseph and his brothers, and, and, and then we, we ended with, with Joseph for, forgiving his brothers. But a lot happens in between those two events. It's a long story. See, Joseph, uh, uh, when he first sees his brothers, he's angry. And because, uh, because his brothers don't know his true identity, because, you know, he's painted, he's got the wig, he looks like an Egyptian, he messes with his brothers a little bit. Throws them in jail for three days, accuses them of spying on the land. Finally, he sends them home with grain, but, but he says that, the, that one of the brothers has to stay with him in prison. And so they choose Simeon. The brothers go home, and, and they tell Jacob everything that's happened. And then they go back for more grain and, and to get Simeon. And they bring Benjamin with them. And Joseph sends them away one more time and says, let me keep Benjamin this time. And he plants a, one of his silver cups in one of their bags so that, that he can accuse them of stealing. And when they're on their way home, he has his guards come and, and, and get the brothers and bring them back. And they search the bags and find the silver cup. Joseph is going around and around and around with them until he finally forgives. 
It's a long story. Joseph isn't able to just turn on a dime and forgive his brothers. Forgiveness is a process. I know that's cliche to say, forgiveness is a process. If you didn't hear it from me, you probably heard it from Oprah and Dr. Phil. It takes a while. It's a process. Uh, the problem with, with the process of forgiveness, because forgiveness is a process, it does take time. I'm not talking about, right, if someone cuts you off in traffic, you should probably just forgive them right there, right? You don't need to go through this long emotional process. But the more and, and the deeper someone has hurt you, the harder it is to forgive them. The longer it takes. And Joseph, Joseph is stuck in that process of forgiveness. See, that's the problem with the process. We get stuck. We get stuck in a loop. We get stuck in a groove. We tell ourselves, it's a process. I have time. But then we just keep going around and around and around in circles. Some of us have been in the process of forgiving someone for years. And we're no closer than when we started. And we keep running on that hamster wheel and the whole time we're telling ourselves forgiveness is a process. Forgiveness is a process. Corrie ten Boom was a Dutch clockmaker. Her Christian faith inspired her and her family to hide Jews from the Nazis during World War II. She left behind many um, inspiring writings about her faith. One in particular, she was talking about a difficulty she was having forgiving. See, she thought she had forgiven someone, uh, but then at night she would think about what they did to her and she would get angry all over again. And she would get so worked up that she couldn't sleep. So finally, she sought the advice of, of a local priest in town. So, Father, I, 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 I've forgiven this person from my heart. I know I have. And yet, uh, I, I keep having these, 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 these attacks of anger in the middle of the night. And, and, and it's causing me to not be able to sleep. What should I do? And the priest says, you know, here in the chapel, uh, we have this bell. And the lector uh, pulls this, this rope and rings the bell. And, and, and they pull the rope several times, uh, but the bell just keeps ringing and ringing and ringing and ringing until it finally stops. He says, each time, each time uh, uh, he pulls on the rope, it's going to ring over and over and over again until it finally stops. That's the way anger is. Each time, uh, each time you, 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 you dig up that incident and, 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 and you pull on it, then those pangs of anger are going to ring over and over and over again. 
till they finally stop. I believe you've forgiven this person. You're just experiencing the last dings and dongs of your anger. Isn't that so wonderful and wise? I wonder how, uh, how many times we get stuck in the process of forgiveness because we keep taking out that rope and we keep pulling on it again and we have to start all over again. Right? Oh, we like to pull on that rope. We like to take that, 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 that event out and, and, and look at it and, 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 and stew over it. And instead of curing, instead of curing our anger, it starts at all over again. And, and when we think we, we, we've got to the end of it, that we're experiencing the last dings and dongs of our anger, that, that we're almost through the process of forgiveness, and then we dig it all back over again, and we pull that rope, and we get it going. In his, uh, his book about forgiveness, um, uh, Rick Love talks about the four promises of forgiveness. See, he says, uh, forgiveness is essentially surrendering our right to revenge. These are the four promises we make when we forgive. Number one, I will no longer dwell on this incident. Number two, I will not bring up this incident again or use it against you. Number three, I will not talk to others about this incident. Number four, I will not allow this incident to stand between us or to hinder our relationship. So you can forgive someone is, is, to, is to make the decision that I'm not going to pull on that rope anymore. That, that I, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to suffer through, through, through the last dings and dongs of my anger and not, and not dig that incident back up and pull on the rope. That's forgiveness. Yes, it's a process, but it's a process we have to start all back over again whenever we dig up the incident and we pull on the rope. Instead, we need to, to suffer through the last dings and dongs of our anger until it finally recedes. And still we get stuck. We can't help it, can we? We just have to, to pull on that rope, don't we? The writer Anne Lamott says, forgiveness is giving up all hope of having had a better past. See, we pull on that rope because we're trying to change our past. We think somehow, uh, through our anger, we can change what happened to us. We, we, we want to go back to that first trust. We want to go back to that, that time in our life before we were hurt. We want to reclaim our once upon a time and start all over again. But we can't. What happened, happened. 
And until we can confront that, until we can deal with that, until we can suffer through the last dings and dongs of our anger and our hurt and our woundedness, we won't be able to move on. Because each time we pull on that rope, we're essentially trying to change the past. Each time we pull on that rope, we're, 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 we're bargaining in a way. We're, we're trying to make it as if, if, if that thing never happened. And it did. The person you are angry with cannot give you back your innocence. They cannot give you back your trust. They cannot unring the bell. You have to suffer the last dings and dongs and move on. Or you're going to be stuck in the cycle forever. Forgiveness, yes, it's a process. But it's not a process we're meant to stay in for the rest of our lives. Joseph found the way out of, of the process of forgiveness by realizing that, that whatever happened in his past, he couldn't rewrite it. He realized that God was the author of his future. So he says to his brothers, for two years now, there's been a famine in the land, and for the next year, there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. I love how the King James puts it. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. See, when, when we realize that, that God is the author of our story, that, that whatever, whatever happened to us in the past, God is in control of our future. And, and, and we trust our future with God. And, and we trust God to take all the bad that, that, that has been done to us and to use it for good. Then we finally have the perspective we need to forgive. So we think we, think we, we can't forgive because we can't trust the people around us. But the truth is, is we can't forgive because we don't trust God. We don't, we, we don't forgive because we, we can't trust God's justice. That God will ultimately give people what they deserve and what they don't. We don't forgive because we, we, we don't trust God to heal our hearts. We can't let go of our past because we don't trust God with our future. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says Jesus, the beginning and the end. I am your once upon a time and your happily ever after. 
God is the author of our story. He takes the bad that is thrown at us and he can transform it into something good. It's a long story. I don't know what happened to you. I, I don't know who hurt you on the, uh, on, on the way from, from where you were to where you are now. But I know that God can take that and he can transform it and he can turn it into something beautiful. I know that because he did it for me. Are you too hurt by the beginning? To trust God with the ending. Are you too hurt by what has happened in your life to trust God with your future? Paul Yonggi Cho um, was the pastor of the largest congregation in the world. A church in South Korea that had 830,000 members. Paul Yonggi Cho um, uh, got the opportunity to preach all around the world and, and to tell people the good news about what God had done in South Korea. And he once prayed to God, I will, I will go anywhere you send me except Japan. See, um, during World War II, uh, Yonggi Cho's uh, family um, was mistreated by the Japanese, and he never forgave them. He carried around a burden of hatred in his heart for the Japanese, and so, uh, so he, 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 would, he would go anywhere in the world and, and speak and tell the good news about what was going on in South Korea, but he wouldn't go to Japan. Well, the requests kept coming from Japan and members of his church, his elders, people on the board kept trying to get Yonggi Cho to go. One day he finally relents. There's this pastor's conference in Japan. A thousand Japanese pastors are going to be there and Paul Yonggi Cho agrees to go speak. And he tries to, to get over his anger and his hatred for the Japanese. And, and, and he sort of tells him that, that this is how I'm going to do it. I'm just sort of going to preach my way out of this box. But he gets there and, and, and he's in this room full of Japanese pastors. And he's got his notes in front of him. All he can bring himself to say is, I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. And then he begins to cry. And one by one, those pastors come up onto the stage they kneel in front of Young Yi Cho and ask for his forgiveness. 
for what Japan did to his family. In that moment, Yanggi Cho learned that he couldn't change the past. But that God could write a new future for the people of South Korea and for the people of Japan. Will you let God be the author of your story? You can't change the past. You can't change what happened to you. You can't unring that bell no matter how many times you pull on the rope. But through forgiveness, can hand God the pen and let him write the end of the story. So once upon a time you were born. You knew a love greater than yourself. And you trust it. Somewhere along the way you got hurt. It's a long story. But it's not over. This morning, there is a love greater than you and me, greater than all of us. A love that hears your pain, knows your fear and your anger, and stands ready to hold you in its arms. Once upon a time, you were born. It's a long story it's not over yet. Who will write the ending? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
discover that you're not here for their benefit. You love in spite of us, you choose the least of us to prove the strong aren't really strong at all. Cause I don't want to make you small. I don't want to fit you in my pocket. Cross around. closer than the tiny thoughts I have of you. I could bear